0: Good morning. Great to be with you in 2023. Happy New Year. Wow, just a few hours ago, right? It was 2022 and now it's 2023. And so it's uh, it's fantastic to be together. And uh, I want to just wish everyone a a Happy New Year and um, all the best to everybody. Um, And so I want to welcome those of you who are, are visiting with us this morning and have traveled as far as the Big Apple Church, right? So uh, the Cranes are with us and welcome uh, from the Big Apple and and um, and uh, and is it glorious? Yes. And your dad, right? Yeah. Great. Great for you. Great uh, that you could be with us this morning as well. And so and so, glorious and her dad are you're locals, right? Oh, fantastic! And so we're happy that you're with us here, uh, worshiping with us. Great way to start the new year with with uh, with family. And so, um, but you know, we're we're gonna jump into not necessarily a series. I guess if you want to call this a a one-off series, we can go ahead and call it that. But we're gonna talk about prayer this morning, and um, you know, God has done some amazing things in our church over the years. Right. Uh, When you when you turn around or if we turn around and look back um, and look at the church here, God has done some amazing things. When we arrived here in 2017, it was 14 disciples in the church. And now um, we are 62 disciples in the church. here. So God has done some amazing things. Uh, We have been fortunate enough to grow every year. And so every year the church has grown based on move-ins or people getting baptized and being added to the church. And so when you, if you look at it as percentage, percentage percentage-wise, I mean, ten percent baptisms is fantastic, right? But for us as a small church, ten percent baptisms was about is about five or six this year. So, amen. But still, it's it's very good to to be growing as a church. um, as far as um, those numbers are concerned. And so we're happy to see the church grow like this every year, right? Not every church grows so consistently as far as small churches are concerned. So uh, we're very happy with what God is doing. God has done some amazing things in this church over the years um, and has due all the praise. None of the praise goes to us. It goes all to God. And so I know he is going to stun us. In 2023, that is what I expect to see. I expect to see God stun us in 2023 with other amazing things, whether it be growth or just things happening in our lives. I look forward to what God is going to do because we are going to pray and we are going to pray and we are going to pray. Right. And and watch what God does. And we are going to study. And we are going to study and we are going to study and pray and watch what God does. Amen. So with with this New Year's sermon, um, you know, the, the hope is to walk through Paul's hopeful and encouraging prayer for the church in, in, in uh, the, the Colossian church. Right. And, you know, in that in the in in the book of Colossians the letter to the Colossian church, Paul prays that the Colossian believers will be filled with God's knowledge. Not just a knowledge that they hold on to, but a knowledge that they put into practice. A knowledge that is then made active. A knowledge that is applied. And so what we're going to do is return our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. And if you could turn your Bibles there for the time being, and some of this is going to come up on the screen later, but we can go old school just for a moment. Colossians chapter one, starting in verse nine. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you. We have not what? Stop praying for you. We continually ask God to you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruits in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. the forgiveness of sins. What a passage. You know, our prayers for the new year should be focused on putting our knowledge of God and his ways into practice every day. Let's go to God and pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer. God, we're so grateful for your love, your grace, your mercy. Father, I pray that this message will not be my own, but it will be your message to us straight from your word. Father, I pray that we will put this message into practice. I pray that we will will pray consistently, Father, continually, nonstop, Father, praying for knowledge and wisdom that we can then apply in our lives to live better lives for you, Father, and your kingdom. Help us to be selfless, God. Less of ourselves and live more for you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You know when when Christopher Columbus reached the Caribbean in 1492, you guys know the rhyme, right? In 1492. There you go, right? And so when he, when, he, when he reached the Caribbean in 1492, he named the inhabitants there Indians. Right? And so the truth be told, and the truth is that he didn't discover it. Right? As there were already people living there. Right? There are already inhabitants there who he called Indians. So it's not like he discovered this place, right? And so he thought, but he thought he had reached what Europeans of the time referred to as the Indies China, Japan, and India. And in fact, he was nowhere close to South or East Asia. And so in his path were vast regions of land, these vast regions of land and and unexplored, uncharted regions of which Columbus knew nothing of. He had no idea of any of this. And he assumed the world was smaller than it really was just because he didn't find it. And so I say all that to say in this brief history lesson because we have made a similar mistake with regard to Jesus Christ. So are there vast tracks of who he is, according to biblical revelation, that are unexplored? Have we unintentionally reduced him to manageable, predictable portions? Have we been looking at a junior varsity decaffeinated, and y'all know I don't like decaffeinated nothing, one-dimensional Jesus of our own making, thinking we are looking at the real Jesus. Have we snorkeled in the shallows, missing what is down deep, missing the real goods of the deep ocean? thinking we have now hit bottom on the Pacific? Have we even diluted the Jesus that should be ever so potent in our lives? Have we falsely assumed a smaller Jesus? How do we correct this and explore the real Jesus this year? You know, before we even begin with our text in in Colossians 1-9, let us explore a bit of context. Context, right? Paul is writing this letter to the Colossians and to the Colossian church, I should say, from prison. You know, it is a, it is a church currently overseen by an evangelist, right? And, and Paul's faithful friend, Epaphras. And after greeting the church, Paul launches himself straight into thanking them for their love and faith among the Colossians. And this was the fruit of their belief in the gospel. And he prays. And you'll notice that this prayer is not for himself. You know, many times when we go to God in prayer, we get on our knees and it's, God, help me do this. Help me with this. This prayer is not for himself. It is for these people. It is centered around the spiritual blessings and not on material or physical matters. It is, is it wrong to pray for material or physical needs? Of course not. Is it wrong to pray for our finances? Is it wrong to pray for, for physical uh, strength and health? No, it's not. But spiritual matters are vastly more important. Because when it comes to our health, we can live, we can survive. But if we're not going to heaven, then what is that worth? Consider this for a moment. How would you pray for a group of people you have never seen? Well, that's what he was doing. How would you pray for spiritual things of people you have never seen? All that Paul knew of these believers in Colossae, Colossae. he learned from their faithful servant leader Epaphras. And so from Epaphras, Paul learned of the false teaching that was threatening the church. So he centered his prayer around that problem, exploring the real Jesus. And so he made it, he made at least two requ- requests in his prayer. At least two. He prayed for wisdom, and he prayed for obedience. Wisdom and obedience. And how do we gain wisdom? From the scriptures, of which we have to apply And so let's start with the first one. He prayed for wisdom. You know, D. Edmund he- Hebert, he said, He who has a constant longing for wisdom will persistently pray for it. If you have a constant longing for wisdom, you're going to pray for it. The things that we long for, we're going to pray for those things, right? If you long for wisdom, then pray for it. How many of us desire wisdom or knowledge, but how is your prayer life? We talk about, oh, I wish I was, I wish I had this wisdom, or I wish I had this or that, but how is your prayer life? Are you too busy to pray? Is is praying just too much for you. How is your prayer life? Colossians 1 9. Let's read that again. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually, right? We continually ask God to fill you. And look at those words continually and fill. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the scriptures give. Amazing! Continually fill all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. You know, there is something quite comforting about others praying for. Especially consistently. Consistent prayer of all the believers, right? How amazing is that? There's something comforting about that, especially when you know that this is happening. If the Colossian church and knew that Paul is continually praying for them, how comforting! It brings comfort. It brings confidence. Can you imagine that church knowing that they're praying, that He's praying for them? What that did for that young church, you know. After watching, there's this, there's this, uh, there's this article I, I read. A six-year-old conveys a lesson on prayer. It says after watching a program about bears and on the Animal Channel, he says, "My six-year-old grandson, Trevor." had a scary dream. Mommy, he said, I had a bad dream. I was being chased through the woods by a big, mean bear. Then he had an interesting question. Mommy, was I the predator or the prey? To which his mother responded, honey, you were the prey. That's right, he said, because there would be a lot of people praying for me, wouldn't there? (laughs) Who of us doesn't feel secure to know that you are being prayed for? No No matter who it is or what it is that's happening, you feel secure to know that you have people praying for you. Praying for your family. Paul was sure to let the Colossian church know they were being prayed for. Paul did not forget to pray for them. And I I challenge you, when you say you're going to pray for someone, do it. Don't just say it as this thing where I'm going to pray for you. bro. Do it. Because it can go from something that is very comforting to something that is very discouraging if you don't. You know, one of the cutest sights to see is a mother duck leading her brood, right? Picture for a moment a mother duck leading ten ducklings, right? Lively and squeaky as they scuttle to and fro, you know? You know how they walk, right? You know, right? And and maybe for days they they swum swim about in a pond, right? And and so now they're determined to make their way to a lake where they can explore some more, right? And and they get to, to they want to get to this big, broader place, this this lake. But this meant danger. Because now what they have to do is now they would need to make their way across a road. Make it across Park where cats and dogs spend some time having their playtimes, right? And so these cats and their do- and dogs will probably be watching for prey. But fortunately, because of the thoughtful residents in this specific city who watched out for them and slowed down and came to complete stops, you know, at 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 the at the lights and stuff like that, and let them pass. They got to their destination safely. All of them, mother duck, ten ducklings. But oh, what a journey this mother duck would take her ducklings through with such calm and confidence. Have you ever seen that? And she's walking, and what are they doing? They're following such calm and confidence she has in this larger-than-life world where she would get to this place to raise them. And so this is how I view Paul. Forgive me. I'm talking about a mother duck. He's a male. Just roll with it, okay? And so he's writing from prison in Ephesus to this little church he had never met right? Just starting up with dangers around it. False teachers, all this stuff going on. And he was determined to to keep them safe from false teachers that are threatening the church. They had all these threats. And these young disciples had no idea what they were in for or what they would face. No idea. But what are they doing? Behind Paul. They just want to hear from Paul. Tell us what to do, Paul. What do we do, Paul? They just want to hear from Paul. He can't even be with them personally to guide them and teach them. And so the mother duck has to rely on pure what instinct, right? And that and and and, and that and that the recently born babies are going to follow. They're just going to follow. But here's the problem. Here's the problem, ordinary instinct, because it is earthbound, will not get a young church to where they need to be. It remains a human instinct. And so when people become Christians, God implants into them a new sense of his presence and love, his guiding and strengthening, and and this sense needs nurturing it needs developing new Christians need to to understand what's happening to them they're in this new place this new world and they and they need to know what's going on and how they must operate where the divine life has gently begun to work in them and so Paul is in prison, and he can't help this. Pro- he can help this process in two ways: by writing, as he as he is, but also supreme prayer. And he may not be with the Colossians, but be in prison. But the God who is with them is also, who is with him is also with them, and in the ministry. And the, and, the, and the mystery of it all is prayer. And you can help their progress toward Christian maturity. You know, whether you're a new Christian yourself, right? Needing to grow in the faith or a Christian leader wanting to nurture those in your care, Paul's prayer for the new church in Colossae provides a wonderful pattern. First, we have to pray for wisdom. Paul says they didn't stop praying for this. And this is not just any wisdom. It is knowledge of his will passed on and given via the Holy Spirit. It is a full knowledge of God's will. None of us will ever arrive in a place where we need not learn anymore. Because it is a completeness and a deep understanding. And God wants this for us. In Acts 2.14, it says, Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteousness, the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. God wants us to know his will. Ephesians 5.17, it says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Is He wants us to know this. God is not some distant dictator who issues orders and never explains it. He wants us to know these things. But how does all this happen? Well, we understand the will of God through the word of God. And as we submit to the Holy Spirit, he teaches us the word of God. And this kind of knowledge can only come from the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit teaches. Are we reliant on the Holy Spirit to teach us? I think sometimes we excuse the Holy Spirit. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit to teach us. Remember, guys, it's not just God and Jesus. It is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there to teach us. 1 Corinthians 2.13 says, this is what we speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by whom? The Spirit Explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. We do ourselves a major disservice when we excuse that part of the Trinity. And ignore the Holy Spirit as if he is not involved. Paul didn't only pray for wisdom for this young church. He prayed as well for obedience. The false teachers only offered this appearance of wisdom. They only offer this this like, oh, you just gotta be wise. Now the proof is in the practice. It is in the application. Colossians 1 verse 10 through 12 says, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that guys, here it is, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. What does the Father do? He qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So our lives must be affected by true spiritual wisdom. It has to be affected a genuine love of Jesus reveals itself in transformed character in Christ-likeness. And so if we gain this wisdom, knowledge, and understanding through prayer, How do we then not change and live different lives, better lives, lives that are worthy of the Lord? Wisdom and practical intelligence must go together. Wisdom and the things that we do, they have to go together. They have to link together. And so there's no separation between learning and living. You know, college or high school students who follow Christ will often say a prayer before they take an exam, right? Come on. Not just high school, right? Before you take an exam, you're like, oh, God, please. Right? Right? and so they'll pray they'll pray that God helps them to to get a good grade. Unfortunately, many students will pray like that even though they didn't study. What's that? That's why they're praying. And so the Colossians were different though. Paul prayed that God would bring to mind everything They had studied so they could apply it to their test. Paul's prayer for the church is that we are filled with God's knowledge so we can live for God's kingdom. The things that we're already taught is for us to be able to apply these things. There's so much that we already know that we are not applying. There's so much we already know that we are not living. That we're not doing. Some of you guys have read the Bible three, four times. Maybe even more than that. But we're not doing some of the things that we're reading. We're not doing some of the things we're learning. We're not applying the things that we're learning. That's like going and reading reading the book before a driver's test. Before you take the test to, to, to get your driver's license, right? You read the book, and then you go, and you're like, oh, well, I'm not doing that. Well, good luck. So many times, you can't see anything happening week to week. Spiritual growth takes place beneath the surface. Sometimes you just can't see it. it takes place beneath the surface. One of the things we need to be careful of as we decide to dive deeper into learning the scriptures, and I had to learn this the hard way, is to not get intoxicated with knowing the deeper truths of the Bible. So intoxicated that you get so smart that you get dumped. That makes sense. Is that is that like you get puffed up with knowledge, like Paul says, right? Is that you you get intoxicated with all this stuff that you get dumb, and the deeper truths we discover can sometimes detour us from practical Christian living because because you get all this knowledge and what should be practical is not practical anymore because you're so smart. And so what you find is that instead of getting burning hearts for Christ, the alternative is big heads that cause problems at home and cause problems in the church. And all Bible truths are practical. They're not theoretical. They're practical. And so if we're we're growing in knowledge, we should also growing in grace. So as you grow in knowledge, there is more application with grace. There's not this growing in knowledge and feeling like, oh yes, I got it going on. I'm pretty smart now. No, you grow in knowledge and that needs to be congruent with growing in grace. Because now you know more of Jesus and his grace, and that needs to be applied. Make sense? In 2 Peter 3, 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge, right, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever And so let me just one more... There's one more point I want to make about our little ducklings there. The little ducklings, they follow the mother duck. I'm about to close out here. They follow the mother duck because they know they're safe with her. They know she will lead them where they need to go. God must make the worker before. He can do the work. A worker has to be built before he can do the work. And this is something. When I look back at our time here, you know, we have made. I feel that we have made some errors in that, where we have put people to work before we made the worker, and before we felt like God made. I remember I was I was um, in when we first got here the first campus students we baptized some of you guys met them a few weeks ago on our Christmas party man we were like we were traveling all the time we were doing a lot of things and so they got baptized and I was like dude heh, You're all we got so you guys gotta go on campus and make some disciples. This was like a week after they got baptized, and so we hadn't make, we hadn't helped them to become workers. And so I feel like I feel like that was not good for them, but we didn't really have much of a choice. We thought, right, because again we were fourteen disciples; they were the only ones on campus. Right? And so, I say that to say, God spent 13 years preparing Joseph for his ministry in Egypt. And 80 years preparing Moses to lead Israel. Jesus spent three years teaching his disciples how to bear fruit. And even, even the, the learned, smart Apostle Paul needed a postgraduate course. In Arabia before he could serve God with effectiveness. A newborn babe baby can cry and make its presence known, but it cannot work. A newborn disciple can make noise, make his presence known, but he cannot work. A new Christian And evangelize for Christ, and even win others. But he must be taught to walk and learn God's wisdom before he is placed in an office of responsibility and ministry. He needs to scuttle along behind the mother duck, and Paul explains this very well. He needs to be prayed for. He needs to be taught how to be obedient. He needs to be watched over before he can do all these things. And so we know we've made our errors. We know we've made our mistakes in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. But well, God's going to stunt us in 2023, Right? right? And so despite the mistakes that we may have made, this is God's church, and he's still growing his church. And so I want to challenge you guys to pray continually and pray hard, because God is going to do something amazing with his church. God is going to do something wonderful with his church where it's going to be beyond our errors, Because we're all going to make errors. We're all going to do something silly. We're all going to be the mother duck trying to take 10 ducklings across the street and just happen to make it and wonder how that happened. Right? We happen to make it. People ask me all the time, bro, what are you doing in Huntsville? I don't know. No idea. And that's the truth I don't know this is the first church we've led right and it's and it just so happens that we're one of the fastest growing churches right here in the Mid-South I don't know God is just doing his thing okay and so I challenge you to keep praying be obedient in Colossians 1 verse 13 it says For he has rescued us. Because this is the reasoning now, okay? There's the reasoning behind all of this. For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Think about that. We are brought into the kingdom of the Son that God loves. So we get to share in that. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, right? God qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. And so though believers are unfit in themselves, God has fitted them to share in the inheritance of his holy people. Rescued and delivered from a dominion of darkness. Guys, look. Through Christ. It says they were brought from a a rebel kingdom. Through Christ. And placed under the sovereignty of their rightful king. Guys, we were all in a rebel kingdom. Rebellious. A place you don't want to stay. And brought out of that, right? And placed under sovereignty to, their, to our rightful king. We have been redeemed. We have been delivered from penalty of sin by the payment of a ransom. It is this, it is a substitutionary death of Jesus that did that for all of us. so let me end with this passage, Ephesians 1, 7, and then we'll In him, we have redemption through his, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Son. We thank you so much, God, that you gave him for our sin. Father, that we are redeemed because of him. That we are saved out of and brought out of a rebellious kingdom into a kingdom of light. God, we could not have done this on our own. We are basically sitting ducks. And you saved us. Father, we didn't deserve it. We weren't worthy of it. But Father, you did it for us anyway. The son you loved, you cherished, you gave him for us. Father, we sometimes think what is it? Father, I pray that we show our gratitude in how we pray for each other. I pray that we show our gratitude in how we obey Father your Father, I pray that you will make this year an amazing year so that we can look back and say that you did it. That you did it and that you did an amazing you all the glory and all the praise. For your sons, I pray.